Okay, we're in a series, There is a Reason, or I could say There is a Purpose, and this is week three. Actually, we're going to finish this up today, move on to something else next week. Uh, today's topic is about comparing, stop comparing your callings. Now, many of you, I'm sure, are on some kind of social media, and if you're like me, you probably have a kind of a, a love-hate relationship with it, right? In fact, uh, somebody attends our church, had a birthday yesterday, showed up on Facebook, I was able to wish them a happy birthday. They even responded, okay? So that's a cool way. That's a, something I enjoy. And, and when kids accomplish something, uh, we see that on Facebook. That's always good. But then when we start comparing, their lives look better than my life. They look like they're having more fun than I'm having. That's when Facebook isn't uh, so, so much fun. So we're going to talk about comparing this morning. The fastest way to kill something that is special is it compared to something else. So it can be things that people have. You know, we can compare cars. We can compare houses. We can compare wardrobes. We can compare uh, collect items that people collect. We can compare uh, lots of things that people have. Or we can compare things that people do. So we went to Myrtle Beach for a week. Maybe you got to go to Ohio for two weeks. Well, I'm jealous of you. I'm comparing my vacation to you. You were having a great time on your vacation. I was sick half the week when we were gone a couple of weeks ago. Not that I can control that or you can control that. So social media is good when it's not used for comparing because when you can kill something special if you compare it to something else. Now, on your outline, the reason you can't do what somebody else can do is because you aren't called to their purpose. I would say probably most people in here can't sing like Claudia. Who can sing like Claudia? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. All right. But you don't have to sing like Claudia. Um, your purpose is different. Can anybody play the guitar like Jared or play the drums like Eric? No. Probably nobody here can do any of those things, right? But that's not your purpose to do that. Now, your purpose is to sing, and hopefully most of you sing. Now, <clears throat> beginning of this series, we talked about pain, that God has a purpose in your pain. Um, sometimes that pain, often I believe, is preparation for something else. So we go through pain now that, that we can prepare us for something Later, I was just at a funeral Friday uh, for a member, former member of our church. And so it's pain. Uh, funerals are painful. Uh, we lost someone that we care about, we love. Um, but there is purpose in that, both for those people and people in general uh, that we can share. Yeah, there's, not, there's hope. Death isn't, isn't the end. So we talked about that week one. Last week we talked about finding your why. And we said, your why or your purpose isn't for you. You benefit from it, but it isn't for you. Your purpose and my purpose is to fulfill God's purpose. When we fulfill God's purpose, we are most satisfied. Maybe that's what we're, we're to use. So, today we want to talk about you. <laughs> you are perfectly designed, you are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for you. So 
So I can't sing like Claudia, but God didn't want me to sing. All right? Um, I can't play an instrument. God didn't create me to do that, which is fine. God created you different from me. God created me different from you. But you and I are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for you, right? not for somebody else. Now, of course, it all starts with salvation. So one of the places in Scripture that makes it clear about our salvation is Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to look at that first, but then we see what Paul, Paul wrote this. Paul says immediately after that. So it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you and me. If you're not a Jesus follower here, we pray that maybe today you will be, and we're glad that you're here. God saved you by His grace. So salvation is by grace. It's by God's graciousness. To us, okay? When you believe. So our part is to believe it. To believe that Jesus was God's one and only son. He was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, suffered and died unjustly, rose from the dead three days later to conquer death and pay our sin debt, my sin debt, your sin debt, so that we can have a relationship with God. And it's a gift to us. That's what he says next. You can't take credit for this. I didn't do it. Jesus did it all. It is a gift from God. Now, what do you do when somebody offers you, gives you a gift? You say, well, how much do I owe you? No, a gift is free, right? And so you just are appreciative. You are thankful. So those us that are Jesus followers, we are appreciative. We're thankful for God that they, he showered his grace upon us and we were able to believe. All right? So then he adds the next part. It's not a reward for the good things we have done. Now, hopefully you do good things. But salvation isn't a reward. You don't do good things and then God says, okay, because you did these good things, now you can be in relationship with me. We just talked, covered that. It's completely by God's grace. It has nothing to do with good works, bad works, or anything else, any other kind of works, right? Now, one of the big reasons it's not because of that uh, We've probably all met people that if you ask them, are they going to heaven when you die? They'll say, well, I try and, and be a good person, and hopefully I'm doing more good things than bad things. Well, it has nothing to do with getting into heaven. All right? Hopefully you do more good things than bad things. But it has nothing to do with getting into heaven. If it did, can you imagine being in heaven? I was thinking as a preacher, I was standing next to Billy Graham, and I'm saying, well, I was a pastor of this little church for 30 years, and I was in the... He said, well, I preached to millions of people, and millions probably got saved. Well, maybe a hundred people got saved under my ministry. I don't know. What would the heaven be like if we had to start comparing ourselves to other people that were there? It'd be horrible, wouldn't it? But we can't. We don't have to because it had nothing to do with me getting there. Now, so there is nothing you and I can do other than to believe, to get into God's family, to be it saved, whatever terminology you prefer. But that didn't take any effort. But once we are in God's family, do you think it's going to take some effort? Absolutely. So look what he says exactly next as he's writing this. Paul says this. For we are all God's masterpiece. 
You, you ever feel like you're God's masterpiece? I don't often feel that way, but that's what Paul writes here. You're God's masterpiece. You're unique. You're one of a kind. There's no one like you, and you are made just the way God wanted to make you. All right? So you're a masterpiece. Actually, it's a poetic word. It's like you're a poem God's created. Now, he did this in, through Christ Jesus. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Talk about being born again. You're a new creature. What? Salvation. You enter into salvation. Now, why? All right? So now I'm in God's family. My sins have been forgiven. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I should be doing good things. Not to get into heaven, but because I'm already in heaven. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. <clears throat> And God has a plan. He has a purpose for you and for me. That's why he gave Claudia the voice. and she, He gave her and Jared the, the ability to play the guitar. And he gave me, hopefully, the ability to teach God's word. Right? That's part of his plan. We call these acts of service. We are serving Jesus by doing good deeds or good acts. Nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with working out our salvation. There's an old bumper sticker, and I couldn't remember quite how it went, but something like, God didn't create no junk. Remember that one? All right. So none of us are junk. We do bad things, we do wrong things, we mess up things, but we aren't junk. We are masterpieces. <laughs> I've never created a masterpiece, I don't think, but God's created me as a masterpiece, and he's created you as a masterpiece. So on your outline, your birth, the fact that you exist, that God created you, is evidence that your purpose is necessary. God has a reason to put you here on earth, where you are, when you are, and giving you whatever abilities, gifts, talents that you have. All, right? All of us, as long as we're still breathing, God has a purpose. And if you don't do your purpose, it probably isn't going to get done. Now, I believe God will say, okay, if you refuse to do it, I'll bring somebody else along to, to do it for you if I, he really wants that done. But the only person designed to do, fulfill their, your purpose is you. You're perfectly designed to fulfill that purpose. Also in the outline, I put it this way. You're created by God, for God. We talked about that last week. And so do everything for his glory. Now, Sometimes we do things to try and get people to like us, don't we? And we all want people to like us. But that's not our purpose, to try and get people to like us. And can you get everybody to like you? Did Jesus, the only perfect person, get everybody to like him? In fact, just the opposite happened. People wound up killing him, executing him. So, don't make it your purpose. It's easy to fall into that trap for all of us, to try and impress people, try and get people to like us. Now, you shouldn't try and get people not to like you, but that shouldn't be your purpose. We should play, the expression is, play to an audience of one. All right? I'm speaking to an audience of dozens of people here, and I don't know how many people online. <clears throat> but we are created by God for God. So he's the audience of one that we are to live for. So again, we're talking about comparison. Comparison is the enemy of calling because 
Everybody's calling is different. So I start comparing mine to yours. It's the enemy of mine because I start thinking, well, why isn't mine like yours? Or why is yours different than mine? Or why can't mine be more like yours if I prefer yours to mine? Whatever it might be. So why? Why is it the enemy of calling? Put it on your outline this way. You and I cannot fulfill God's purpose for us when we're comparing ourselves to somebody else. Whether I'm comparing myself to other preachers or other, other husbands or other uh, fathers or other whatever it might be. I can't fulfill God's purpose when I'm comparing myself to you. So I want to look at this kind of, I think, kind of funny story in Scripture. Um, and it involves comparing. Right? And it's about Peter and John, two of the disciples. And I'm going to ask you a simple question before we go through this. Do you think Peter liked John? Now, I think he had some issues with John. And we're going to look at a couple things, and it's going to, I think, demonstrate that to us. But one issue Peter had with John is, as we read the Gospel of John, Jesus, uh, Peter, uh, excuse me, John refers to himself in the third person. You ever met somebody who referred to themselves in the third person? That's kind of weird, isn't it? A little strange. And especially how he refers to himself in this passage. Now, this was on the first Easter morning. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, which is kind of strange because they had a big stone in front of it, right? And she wanted to go to anoint Jesus' body, but there was, she couldn't have got in then. Well, she gets there. The stone's rolled away, but she still doesn't go in. She runs back to tell the disciples. So we'll pick it up in John chapter 20, verse 2. Again, John wrote this account. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, third person. Who was the other? John, right? Okay. The one whom Jesus loved. Uh, Jesus loved me more than he did you. I'm the one that Jesus loved the most. Now, if you're Peter, is that a little annoying? I think that's annoying. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Big problem, right? She didn't want any believing he was resurrected. They, she thought somebody took him, took the body. So, what are the disciples going to do? Well, they're going to check this out, right? So, notice again, this is John's account. <clears throat> Peter and the other disciple, <laughs> John, started out for the tomb. They were both running. So they're running to get there. See, wow, it's, 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 this could be bad. They took Jesus' body. But the other disciple, John, right, outran Peter. Okay, Peter, we had this race and I, I beat you. I got there first. <clears throat> he stooped, John, stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he didn't go in. Kind of stooped down, looked in. Didn't go in. I don't know if he's afraid to go in or for what reason. But then the text says, John again recorded, Simon Peter arrived. Eh, I've been waiting for you for five minutes. I took you so long. <laughs> anyway, he also noticed the linen wrapping. The cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrapping. That's why they knew the body hadn't been stolen. If somebody stole the body, they're not going to fold the, the wrappings later. <clears throat> So then, the disciple who reached the tomb first, again, who's that? It's John. Do you have to rub it in that you beat Peter on the race? I don't think so. But how many times has he mentioned this already? 
He also went in and saw and believed. Now, do you think Jesus loved John more than Peter? I don't think so. In fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't. So why does John refer to himself as the one Jesus loved? So we got this comparison going on. He loves me more. I'm faster than you. Well, John, you were afraid to go in the tomb. I went, I went in. Comparison kills calling. It kills relationships. It kills fulfillment in our, in our calling. So some of you moms, you can... Look at other moms on Facebook. I got thinking, uh, my wife looks at these, well, back up a little bit. <laughs> she likes to look at these um, baking, wheat, grinding wheat and baking your bread videos, right? So she looks at these and she, this, this one mom, she's got like 10 kids, she's homeschooling it, and she's grinding her own wheat and making this bread and taking care of you know, the, the household and everything looks uh, fresh and, and clean and, and tidy. Now, who can compare to somebody like that, right? Or Pinterest moms, right? Compare yourself to them. And you're just lucky you can get the diapers changed and the kids in bed before you collapse, you know, or whatever it might be. Or we can compare spouses, right? You know, Wow. That husband brings his, home, his wife home flowers every week. I'm bringing my wife flowers in a year. Or my wife can think my husband hasn't brought me flowers in a year. So we can compare spouses. We can compare bodies, right? One thing I find is interesting, Facebook will bring up pictures from five years ago and ten years ago. And when I look at this, I think, wow, I'm getting old. I don't look that good anymore, right? Comparison even to yourself, much less comparison to somebody else's body. And then comparison of money, finances, the things money can buy. All of us have different bodies. All of us have different families. All of us have different financial resources. Comparison kills calling. Now, earlier in the series, we talked about Peter denying Jesus three times. Remember, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, nah, it's never going to happen. And of course, then it then it did happen. And after it happened, Jesus looks at Peter and I said, I don't think he's saying, I told you so. I'm thinking, Peter, I still love you. I still have a calling and a purpose for your life. So when or how did Peter get restored, for a better word? Right. So Jesus is resurrected. Um, John's recording some events that happened. And so in chapter 21, he talks about the disciples having breakfast with Jesus. <clears throat> and then Jesus has this conversation with Peter. All right? So he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than John loves me? <laughs> do you love me more than, you know, James loves me? Which is kind of fascinating to me because Jesus is using comparison here. All right? <clears throat> Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. And Jesus gives him a Simon, feed my lambs. Now, 
how many of you know this, but in Greek, they have a lot of different words for love. In English, we used to say, love this, love this, love pizza, love whatever. All right? So two words or different words are used here. When Jesus asked the question, he says, do you agape me? Agape is self-sacrificing love, unconditional love. That's the way God loves us, right? So he says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter responds, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know, Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. That's brotherly love or friendship. So Jesus asked, do you self-sacrificing love for me and Peter says, you know I love you like a brother. Jesus said, okay, feed my, my lambs. All right. Jesus repeated the question. Maybe to reemphasize it, maybe get, see if we were sure of the answer. Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Self-sacrifice your love for me. Yes, Lord, Peter says, you know I, again, I phileo you. I, I love you like a brother. Which isn't a bad thing, right? And Peter, Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. You got work to do. All right? You denied me three times, but I still want you to, you got work to do. But then he asked him a third time. Now, if somebody asks you a question the third time, and you've already answered it twice, aren't you going to be a little annoyed? Well, Peter gets annoyed. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now this time, Jesus says, do you phileo me? Which he's already said twice that he did, right? You love me like a brother. Peter was hurt. Jesus asked the question a third time. Jesus, I've already answered this question twice. Don't you trust me to believe me? He says, you know everything. This is a good theological stance. God knows everything. You know that I love you like a brother. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You've got a calling. You've got a purpose. You've got work to do. So we all have to answer that question. Jesus asked you and he asked me, do you love me? Do you love me agape? Do you love me phileo? You have to answer that. Like I have to answer that. Now the fascinating thing to me then Right after this exchange, what's Peter do? Let's pick up the text. Peter turned around and saw behind him. Again, this is John's account. If Peter's recalling it, he would say, John, the disciple Jesus loved. Again, how annoying is that? Anyway, Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? You just... I just told you I love you. Why don't you ask him if he loves you? And you've got a plan, a purpose for me to feed or feed these sheep, my, your lambs. What's your purpose for him? So he's trying to compare himself, right? So I love Jesus' answer. And the same answer he would give to me or you or to me uh, if we're trying to compare ourselves. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return. Because Peter, you may have to die for me. But if I want him to remain till I return, I may or may not. Doesn't matter. None of your business. 
That's what he said, right? What's that to you? It's none of your business. What is your business, Peter? Your business is follow me. Follow my purpose for your life. John's purpose is different. He'll fulfill his, you fulfill yours. So again, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. In fact, sometimes when you are maybe even miserable, but probably not really miserable, but just kind of out of sorts or unhappy, most of the time, I can tell you why. Because you're you're comparing. Because you're comparing. Or you know God's purpose and you're not doing it. Again, you are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for you. Not for me. For you. And it's easy for us to say, well, you know, I, I told God this when I was 17. I can't speak in front of people. There's a scripture that says, God shall supply all your needs. So the flip side of this, then you have what you need. Now, I had to go to seminary and I, had, I, I practiced preaching. Hopefully I'm a lot better at it now than I used to be. Uh, so there's work involved. But God gave me the ability to study God's word and to teach it. So it reminded me of something that the author of Hebrews wrote, and then we'll We'll finish up with this. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Now, is your race the same as my race? Is God's plan for your life the same as God's plan for my life? No. They're completely different. We're completely different people, right? Can I run your race even? I can't run your race. So certainly I can't win your race, can I? So how do we do this? Well, the text goes on. We do this by, what? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Not on somebody else. Not not comparing to somebody else. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And then he uses this amazing example of Jesus to compare to us. He said, Jesus, because of the joy awaiting him, did what? Endured the cross disregarding its shame. Most shameful death possible, the most painful death possible. He endured it. He didn't have to. He could have stopped at any time. Why would he do that? It was a joy that was out there. and Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. And he's there because he was willing to do what you and I couldn't do for our salvation. He paid our sin debt so we could have a relationship with God. And so God said, you're my beloved son. You've done what nobody else can do. You've allowed millions of people to be restored into our family. So that's the focus. And then he talks a little bit more about, think of all the hostility he endured for us, our sinful people. So with that mindset, with that focus, then you and I shouldn't become weary and give up. Ever feel like giving up? There's an old joke. Preachers want, every preacher wants us to quit on Monday morning. It's not really true, but uh, there are some Monday mornings that we feel like quitting. 
You can are you, do, you, do you feel weary in in parenting your children? Do you feel wearying, weary doing teaching your students? Do you feel weary in uh, just living life sometimes? So, evidently, it's hard work, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't get weary. It's meant to be hard work. Again, the fastest way to kill something special, and you're something special, is to try and compare it to something else. So I preach. You all do music. Somebody else makes coffee. Some of you teach uh, children. I don't teach children. You don't have to preach. That's okay. That's not your calling. It's not a competition. You do what God's created you to do, designed you to do, planned for you to do, His purpose for your life, and I should do the same for my life. See, I put on your outline, nobody can do what I'm called to do. What do I mean? Nobody is called to love Deb like I'm called to love her, right? Nobody's called to love my four children like I am, except for my wife, I guess. Right? But she can't be their father. No one else was called to pastor this church for the last 30 years. Now, eventually, our calling's in. Somebody else will pastor. So, what has God called you to do? And we go through phases in life, right? We went through a phase where we were homeschooling four kids. <laughs> and we went through the diaper stage before that, right? <clears throat> and then your kids grow up, and then you move to another stage in life. <clears throat> I did six and a half years of higher education. <laughs> right? There's that, that stage. Many of you have gone through that stage in life also. Now I'm in the grandparent stage of my life. Some of you might even be in the retirement stage of your life. So all I'm saying is run your race. Again, for we are God's masterpiece. Isn't that amazing? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Let me ask you the question, what is success? Google that, you get all kinds of answers, right? I'll give you a simple answer if you're a Jesus follower. Success is being faithful to Jesus today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday. Have you been faithful to Jesus today? Have you ran your race today? Has you fulfilled God's purpose for you today? So again, the title of the message was Stop comparing your calling. Stop comparing your life to somebody else's life. Now, we all have the same calling in some respects to serve God, to love God, and serve and love other, other people, right? That's the great commandment. That's what we're all supposed to do. But inside that, we all have a specific race to run. Mine is different than yours. Yours is different than mine. But here's my challenge for you this week. Make a difference in the way that only you can make a difference. Maybe it's parenting, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's at work. Nobody else can be you but you. Be you. 
Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. It's just amazing to believe that you made us all so special masterpieces of your creation. And we are like a puzzle piece. There's a specific place that, that, that we fit perfectly. And I pray that we seek to find that place and we stay in that place. And I thank you that I can be successful today, God, by doing what you called me to do today. We pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower, God, that today they would realize <laughs> this is pretty cool, God, that you sent your only son to die for me so that I can have a, my sins forgiven, have a relationship with you, go spend eternity with you in heaven, give me purpose and meaning here in life. Man, what a deal. And all it requires is faith to believe, to trust, to accept it, and say thank you. I pray she would make that decision and let us be a support to you, to rejoice with you and encourage you. God, most of us have been Jesus followers for a while. And at times, I'm sure we're diligent about serving your purpose and fulfilling other times we get sidetracked, we get wanting to do our own thing. Forgive us. Thank you that you do. And thank you that you accept us as we are. And that we can be restored. As Peter can be restored. Anybody can restore. Just come back. God will receive you with open arms. Thank you, Jesus, for showing up in this service, speaking to us, touching us, changing us. Let it be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.